Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Revelation. Revelation. The book of Revelation. The last book in your Bible. Revelation chapter 9. And then we'll turn to chapter 16 this morning within God's Word. Amen. Revelation 9. Revelation 16. If you want to ready it in your Bible. And of course the scriptures are there on the sermon study guide. Three men. Three men were being held in death row, awaiting the firing squad. Isn't pastor starting out with a good positive word? The first one, the first one was Italian. I almost said, can I hear an amen, but I thought I better not. The first one was Italian. The Italian thought and thought and thought, how can I escape this? How can I escape certain death? And as he stood before the firing squad and the officer was getting ready for the countdown, he suddenly got an idea. The officer shouted out, ten, nine, Eight, seven, six, and just before he said one, the Italian shouted out, Flood! The executioners, the firing squad, got all discomfited and, and distracted and turned around to look for the rushing water of the flood. And while they were distracted, the Italian ripped off his blindfold, ran into the woods, and escaped to freedom. The second man on death row was a German. And he thought to himself, boy, that Italian's awfully smart. Can I hear an amen? amen. That Italian's awfully smart. I'm going to do the same thing. But I better think of, I better, I better think of, a, of, a, of a, a different kind of disaster to make this work and not say flood. So the officer began the countdown. Ten. Nine, eight, before he came to the number one, the German shouted out, Hurricane! And the firing squad was distracted and looked all around, and while they were diverted, the, the, the German ripped off his blindfold, escaped to the woods, and found freedom. The third, the third man on death row. Now, I have to be careful here. This has got to be politically correct, of course. So we'll use some self-deprecating humor. He was American. <laughs> he was American. And he thought, boy, that German and Italian were awfully smart. Look, they, they've got their freedom. Uh, he said, I've got to do the same thing, but I can't use flood. I can't use hurricane. I've got to come up with some other kind of, of disaster. And so the officer stood there as the American was blindfolded and he did the countdown. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Just as he came to the number one, the American shouted out, Fire! <laughs> if he didn't get it, lean to the person next to you. They'll help you out fire <laughs> we've been on a countdown we've been on a countdown this last month 
uh, as I have been in a Bible prophecy series, been more of a teaching uh, instead of a preaching series with you all, we called it Countdown to Eternity. As I have been sketching out to you the future events in their chronological order, the future events that the Bible foretells for us in the future. We covered the signs of the times, the rapture of the church, the great tribulation that the drama portrays, the Antichrist, the beast, 666. This morning, I complete the final message in the series. You know, just this past week, if you've watched the news, this past week, it smacks of a countdown to eternity. Have you been watching the news? What's just happened off the coast of Mexico? The greatest, most powerful hurricane ever recorded in human history. It started out as the most powerful, the greatest one of the Western Hemisphere, now the greatest in human history ever recorded. It's amazing on how we see the signs of the times coming together. Russia and Iran, the news yesterday, the news yesterday, they've done an about-face, they are attacking ISIS, they will solve the Middle East peace problem, they have now the foothold in the Middle East, they will replace what the United States tried to do. I mean, the pieces are coming together. Oh, I could go on and on. Seven church burnings in St. Louis when we talk about Christian persecution. Uh, uh, how about what's happening on Halloween? Astronomers missed it. That's what's scary. Astronomers miss it. They usually spot these things years in advance. They just spotted it. You can Google this. A 1,500-foot asteroid, a near miss. In planetary terms, will take place on Halloween. Why do I bring it up? The Bible talks about an asteroid impacting the earth in the last, the last days. You can read about it in the book of Revelation. I, there's so much happening in the news. I don't have time to cover it all. And it would all seem so hopeless. It would all seem so much smacking of gloom and doom if it wasn't for three words. What are those three words? Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Listen, as we're on a countdown to eternity, my Bible and your Bible says that as we see the prophetic events that the Bible foretells unfold before us, time will literally slip into eternity. And that's where we're going this morning as we preach the message to you, Thy kingdom come. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray, God, that you'll grant us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. Grant us hearts to receive in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. A terminal generation. The prophets Daniel, Zechariah, Ezekiel, they all give prophecies about the mother of all battles. But the book of Revelation is the book in the Bible we turn to the most to find out 
about the conflict of the ages. Read with me in Revelation 9, verse 14, as I read quickly. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour, day, month, and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was how many? 200 million. And John the Revelator is so shocked by that number, he has to write down, I heard their number. In other words, you must trust me. I heard that number. If you were an ancient person writing 2,000 years ago and you had a vision of the 21st century, 21st century warfare, how would you describe it in your first century terms and context? Listen to what John writes. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, sulfur. Is he talking about tanks? Missile launchers? A third of mankind. What is a third of mankind in today's population figures? was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur. How would you describe a nuclear exchange if you existed 2,000 years ago? A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, sulfur that came out of their mouths. Now read Revelation 16. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare for the way of the kings from the east. Then I saw three evil spirits. You need to understand that Armageddon is more than a natural war between guns, tanks, and atomic bombs. You need to understand that the battle of all battles is also supernatural warfare as well. And we reveal that in the drama at the end, in the finale tonight. I saw three evil spirits. They go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called, say it with me, Armageddon. There's a lot of words, there's a lot of Christian lingo, Bible lingo that we can use with the man on the street. But there's one word that everyone knows in the world practically there's immediate recognition Armageddon Armageddon at the end of the great tribulation mankind's worst fears will become a nightmarish reality write it down Armageddon Armageddon you see Revelation chapter 9 and Revelation chapter 16 they reveal indicators they reveal clues as to the generation that will be the Armageddon generation. I ask you, as we have read the prophecies this morning, in Revelation, just in Revelation 6 and, and, and Revelation, or Revelation 9 and Revelation 16, I ask you, ask yourself, are we the Armageddon generation? Could Armageddon take place in our lifetime? Let's look at the clues. 
Number one, Armageddon, you need to understand, isn't a literal place. It's not metaphorical. Armageddon is the Hebrew expression that is formed from two words. It's formed from the word arm, meaning mountain, and Megiddo, referring to a location in northern Israel. My wife and I stood on that small mountain just a year ago in northern Israel, stretched out before this small mountain is a valley, the Valley of Jezreel. This valley is 14 miles wide, and it's 20 miles long. More battles down through ancient history have been fought in this valley than any other place on the planet. 30 major battles down through human history leading up even to World War II were fought in this valley. Valley. Napoleon said there is no place on the planet that is more of a natural battlefield than the valley of Jezreel. Even now, even now, Israel's most major military air force base is located in the valley of Jezreel and it's underground. Why, why, why would Israel and Jerusalem be the focal point of Armageddon? Because Satan will gather the nations of the world to exterminate the people of God, God's chosen people, the people of Israel. Another question we need to answer is, why would Satan gather the nations of the world? Because the Bible foretells this. Why would Satan gather the nations of the world to attack his Antichrist who is headquartered in Israel? Because Satan desires the greatest human sacrifice known throughout all history. And that's what Armageddon will be. A bloody sacrifice. The scripture says very clearly, the scriptures foretell that the blood slaughter of Armageddon will be beyond description. We'll look at that in a moment. But the greatest reason why Satan will gather the armies of the world together in Israel on the last of the last days will be because of the one who's coming in the clouds. And he'll gather them together to unite to fight a common foe. But I'll describe that later on in the message. Secondly, we are the first generation to witness the particular Armageddon alignment the Bible foretells. 2,000 years ago, the Bible predicted the nations, the military powers that will be involved in the battle of Armageddon. We need to ask ourselves, do those nations exist today? Do they have the economic and the military strength to fit the prophecies given about Armageddon. You need to understand the list that I'm about to go through, what the Bible foretells thousands of years ago, that some of these nations 100 years ago did not even exist. That some of these nations in this list 100 years ago were primitive, backwatered nations, technologically, militarily retarded it cannot be said of them anymore today. Number one, the Bible foretells a reborn Israel will be a major player at Armageddon. Number two, the kings of the south 
Arab and African Muslim nations. Number three, the Bible foretells the revived Roman Empire. The European Union exactly fits this configuration. The king of the north. We're talking about Russia. Need I say more? The kings of the east, China, and a coalition of Asian nations. The Armageddon players. They all have come together in what I call the Armageddon alignment in these last, last days. We're the first generation to witness this particular alignment. Thirdly, we're the first generation to witness the capability of a nation or group of nations to mobilize even more than 200 million troops. You need to understand that when the book of Revelation was originally written, what was the population of planet Earth? When John the Revelator wrote the book of Revelation, the entire Earth's population was not even 200 million. It was, it's no wonder why John the Revelator was so shocked when he heard the number of the military invasion. 200 million coming from the East. In 1997, China alone announced in 97 they could raise an army of 352 million soldiers. 200 million to be a part of an invasion force with 152 left at home to protect the motherland. Only in our generation has China become a booming economy. They are set to outpace us economically in two years. And now they are a world-class military power. That could not be said of China 50 years ago. And I wanted you to notice the term kings of the east. When you look at the etymology of the word east, in the original Greek language, it's not east. It's translated east, but the original term, the literal term, is land of the rising sun. What nation has as its slogan, its motto, its claim to fame, the land of the rising sun? It's, in fact, the rising sun is even on Japan's flag. What will happen... When the military muscle of China, the vast numbers coming out of this nation, which has a population of 1.3 billion, one quarter of the whole planet, what happens when the military muscle of China is matched with the technological know-how of Japan? What would happen if China forms an Asian coalition of Japan, North Korea, South Korea, Indonesia, Pakistan, India, and invades the Middle East. Number four, we are the first generation with the incentive for the kings of the East to invade Israel and the Middle East. And that strategic reason is what? Black gold oil. There's extremely little of it in Asia. The development, this development only became a reality in our generation, yet the Bible foretold this 20 centuries ago. What would be the motive? What would be the incentive for this invasion? In the last of the last days, oil will be more precious than any gold. 
Number five, we are the first generation where the prophecy of the drying up of the river Euphrates can be fulfilled. Both Revelation 16 and Revelation 9 speak of the river Euphrates. It is a focal point with the battle of Armageddon. Prophetic scholars over the centuries have scoffed at this prophecy. They have said that uh, the speaking of the river Euphrates drying up is to be taken symbolically, not literally. But what has transpired not just long ago, Russia assisted Turkey in building a dam on the river Euphrates. Now the river Euphrates can be literally constricted to nothing but a trickle, literally fulfilling the prophecies of Revelation 9, Revelation 16. You see, for thousands of years, the river Euphrates has been the boundary line between east and west. It has been the mighty barrier that has kept invading nations from the east to invade the west. But the Bible says that it will be dried up in the last of the last days to prepare for the battle of Armageddon. Lastly, ours is the first generation where nations have the weapons of mass destruction to fulfill the global holocaust foretold at Armageddon. I want you to look at an amazing prophetic scripture with me right now. Revelation chapter 6. Again, John the Revelator was operating from a first century context. He knew nothing about nuclear holocaust. If you were writing from a first century context and you saw mass destruction, global destruction, where would you lay the blame, the cause? He says, he used the term earthquake, great earthquake. But I submit to you what you're reading is nuclear holocaust. Read with me Revelation 6 verse 12. There was a great earthquake the sun turned black, the whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth. The sun doesn't turn black, the moon doesn't turn blood red in an earthquake. The stars that are falling from the sky, could those be missiles that he saw in his vision? The sky receded like a scroll rolling up, like a shade that you pull down and then it snaps up. This is exactly what happens when a nuclear explosion takes place. The atmosphere literally separates. When it comes back together again, that's the loud boom, like thunder. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, every slave, every free man, they hid where? In an earthquake, you run out of buildings. You want to get in an open field in an earthquake. What are they crawling into? He saw them going into bomb shelters, caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Do you see that? Coming future global wars will be beyond description. Look what the scripture says in Revelation 9, 18. A third of mankind was killed. We're talking here in terms of billions of people. In today's population figures, Revelation 14, 20, and the blood flowed out in a stream. 200 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. 
It's interesting, that is practically the length of the nation of Israel today, from north to south. Coming future global wars and the doomsday weapons that are released that we don't even know about will be beyond our ability to describe them in human words. You see, an atomic bomb, one atomic device, can produce a temperature of a hundred and million degrees Fahrenheit in one nanosecond. But one atomic bomb like dropped on Hiroshima is a mere firecracker compared to a hydrogen bomb. A hydrogen bomb atomizes, it vaporizes everything in a two-mile radius. In an eight-mile radius, everything is instantly consumed by fire and heat. In a 38-mile radius of a hydrogen bomb, the earth is immediately radiated, poisoned, good for nothing for more than 100 years because of the radioactive fallout. Did you know that China's defense spending has tripled over the last decade? Did you know that China has gone on a buying binge, buying the latest military hardware and nuclear armament from Russia? Did you realize this past spring, and it went over the heads of most Americans who buy most of their goods from where? And our dollars have gone over to China. Did you realize that this news headline, this report, came from the Pentagon? Pentagon report, Chinese ballistic missiles can target nearly the entirety of the United States now. And we thought the Russians were our problem. It's China's goal to have its nuclear arsenal capable of hitting the United States, to have 70% of its arsenal capable. And then just this week, just this week, this news headline was published Strong indications of World War III between the United States and China. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up your head, lift up your head, lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus accused and rebuked his generation for the ability to do a forecast of the weather and to read the signs of meteorological uh, weather forecasting but being unable to read the signs of the times that were all about them of prophetic fulfillment. And never forget the arsenal still controlled by the king of the north, Russia. Russians have enough nuclear weapons to totally wipe out all United States military targets several times over and still have 8,000 nuclear warheads left. Enough bombs left over to hit every United States city, town, and village, each with the impact of 80 times the power of the Hiroshima bomb. The bottom line is this, Russians would run out of targets long before they would run out of bombs. At Armageddon, 
we can imagine the release of doomsday weapons beyond anything ever known in human history. So let's look at the world's final death struggle. As the world's armies are about to exterminate all life on the planet, the Bible foretells that the Antichrist will unite all the armies of the world against one that is coming in the skies. In Revelation chapter 19, in the twilight zone hour of Armageddon, when all seems lost, when all of humanity is about to be exterminated on planet earth and all life is about to cease to exist, uh, the Bible says John the Revelator saw the heavens opened and he said in Revelation 19, Behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He was clothed in a vesture, dipped in blood, and the armies of heaven followed him. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a day that will be. King of kings and Lord of lords. Excuse me, I got out of my teaching mode into my preaching mode, but how do you, how do you, how do you not get passionate about the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Jesus was clear in Matthew 24 that if he did not come back, that all life would cease to exist. If he did not shorten the great tribulation, and save the world with his coming. You see, the Bible says that pride, write it down, so consumes the Antichrist that the Antichrist will dare to lead the armies of the world against Jesus and the forces of heaven. Revelation 19, 19, Then I saw the beast, the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the battle is finished even before it's begun. Revelation 19.20, the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. Jesus, the Bible, interprets the book of Revelation over and over again. What's this sword coming out of the mouth of Jesus? It's not a literal sword. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.17 that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Jesus just speaks a word, uh, and it happens. Hallelujah. Oh, I like that. Amen. Amen. Oh, I've said it before. Let me say it again. The first time Jesus came, he came on that first Christmas as a baby in a Bethlehem manger. The next time he comes, he comes riding majestically on a milk-white stallion through the clouds. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! The first time he came, he was an emaciated, suffering Savior, tortured and cruelly pierced upon the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood for you and I. The next time he comes, he's not coming back as Savior. He's coming back as mighty warrior, King of kings, Lord of lords. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I long for that day. Amen. Planet Earth 
is destined to come under new management. Revelation 20. Then I saw an angel come down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit, a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon. Who's the dragon? That old serpent, the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years and threw him into the bottomless pit. I said he threw him into the bottomless pit. Oh, now I feel like I'm in church. I want you to notice something. Jesus doesn't even dirty his hands with Satan. Jesus has an angel do it. Notice something else. For you that look for old foot behind every bush, for you that are spiritually paranoid and you give Satan more power than he really has, one angel is able to take care of Lucifer. I want to remind you that Satan's on a leash. Like an angry dog, but God has him on a leash. Throughout the whole book of Revelation, God is in control. God has his hand upon the time clock. God has his hand on the thermostat. For you that are suffering and you're going through a tough time right now, God is in control. God looks at his watch and knows how much time you can handle it. God looks at the thermostat and knows how much heat you can bear. God is in control. Always know that. He's a good God. He is a great, almighty, all-loving Father. Trust Him. Trust Him. At the second coming, write it down, Jesus will rule the world from Jerusalem for a thousand years in a period of time known as the millennium. The millennium. It's interesting. It's the New Testament. It's Revelation that tells us how long the millennium will last. One thousand years. But to find out what happens in the millennium, I need to turn to the Old Testament. That's where the millennium revelations are found. Especially, go home today and read Isaiah chapter 65. It's incredible what will take place on planet Earth when it's under new management, new ownership. The Old Testament reveals that for the first time, the earth will enjoy universal peace. Do you know that for every one year of peace our planet has enjoyed, there's been 13 years of war in our history? Do you realize what is engraved on the cornerstone of the United Nations? It comes from the book of Isaiah. And they will beat their swords and their spears into plowshares that will only be realized and become a reality under the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you realize that the animal and, and the animal kingdom and man will enjoy perfect harmony? The Bible says the lion will lie down with the lamb. A child will play with a snake. Humans, get a hold of this, will enjoy longevity. They will live longer than redwood trees. Check me out, Isaiah 65. You see, what would happen if we did not spend one dime on warfare and killing people and channeled that into medical research, scientific discoveries? 
what will happen in a perfect world ruled by Jesus and the mind of man is now unleashed? What will happen in a world, this world, this year, will spend over $1 trillion on the weapons of war? What happens when that is funneled into medical research? The Bible says in Isaiah 65 that if you die at 100 years old, it will be like a baby dying. Read the prophecies. Again, incredible. Incredible. The Bible declares that we'll enjoy a one-world government. Yes, I'm praying for that government. I look forward to a one-world government, don't you? Not ruled by Antichrist, but ruled by Jesus Christ. Amen! Amen! And the Bible prophesies that during the millennium, paradise will be restored to a war-ravaged world. It'll return to the Garden of Eden under the new management, the new ownership of Jesus Christ. The grass will be greener. The sky will be bluer. The flowers will be sweeter. The air will be cleaner. Global climate change, global warming. Nobody will be talking about it then. Man will be happier than ever dreamed possible. Oh, can you imagine that day of days when, when the new owner the new manager, the new ruler of planet Earth goes walking down Pennsylvania Avenue when he goes walking into the White House, the Oval Office, when he walks into the United Nations and declares, I'm in charge now. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. What's God's purpose behind the millennium? Why have the millennium? Why don't we just go straight to the new Jerusalem, straight to, to a scene in heaven? Why does God have this transition period of 1,000 years to prove to man what can happen with planet Earth when it's under holy, divine rulership, the presidency, not of some Republican or Democrat, but the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And on that day of days, the most prayed prayer around the world will finally and ultimately be answered and fulfilled. What is the most prayed prayer by Christians and the church around the world? And how will it be fulfilled on that day of days? Matthew 6.10 Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It will be fulfilled on that day of days. Let me talk about prayer. Let me speak a word about prayer into your spirit this morning quickly. Prayers which invade the impossible. They pray for Christ's lordship to be exercised in every facet and context of life. When you pray these kind of prayers for God's will to be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven, I call them thy kingdom come prayers. Thy kingdom come. You see, these are lordship prayers. Real prayer invites the rulership, the lordship, it invites the will of God to be exercised 
in situations that are opposed to God's word and his kingdom plan. Thy kingdom come praying is what God always desires from his people. When you come across situations in life that are opposed to God's word, they're opposed to God's kingdom plan. You have the authority as a blood-bought, born-again, Bible-believing, demon-fighting soldier of the cross to pray, Thy kingdom come. When you come across cancer and sickness, Thy kingdom come. You have that right. You have that authority in Christ Jesus. You are his agent, his ambassador, his representative to pray, Thy kingdom come on earth in this situation as it is in heaven. And God's will is always for health. It's always for healing. It's always for restoration. His will is always salvation. So move in his will in your prayers. Have a brand new, bold, Holy Ghost confidence as you pray, Thy kingdom come. To experience heaven on earth. Jesus must be Lord. To experience heaven on earth in your private life. Make Jesus Lord. Give Him the steering wheel of your life. And watch the love, the joy, the peace of His kingdom be able to be centered in your heart. To experience heaven on earth, Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come. When you hear, when you hear children saying goodbye to their daddy or their mommy for the last time because their parents are divorcing, pray, Thy kingdom come. When we hear stats, statistics uh, uh, of teenagers stating, that two and a half million of our teenagers are contracting sexually transmitted diseases. I don't know about you. I pray, Thy kingdom come. When I have a wife come to me whose husband, his drinking and his drugs are ruining and destroying their marriage and family, I go to my knees praying, Thy kingdom come. When we watch the crime and the violence, the daily murders in, in, in our news, the, the school and the campus shootings, the, the workplace, the church shootings, we're called to pray, Thy kingdom come! When gender-neutral laws allow men to use a woman's restroom just because he feels more like a woman one day on a certain day when the experts claim as they did this past week that two lesbian women make better parents than a traditional husband and wife, father and mother, family. When you see two men at Lakeside Mall holding hands and kissing each other on the lips, when you read of the ACLU defending, defending internet purveyors of pornography and pedophilia, we gotta pray, Thy kingdom come! Thy kingdom come! Thy kingdom come! 
I remind you the answer is not more legislation or education. The answer is not found with police or prisons. It's not found with Prozac or programs. It's not found with the Republicans or the Democrats. The answer is it's always has been thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Church, keep praying it. Keep praying it. Keep praying thy kingdom come. To you that are weary this morning, you're weary of an X-rated culture that you have to raise your children, your grandchildren in. Keep praying thy kingdom come. To those of you that have walked in sick this morning, you're afflicted in body, you're tired of taking the pills, you've got a surgery that's looking you in the face, you're tired of doctors and waiting rooms, I declare to you by his stripes, you are healed. And the prayer of faith still saves the sick. Thy kingdom come. Keep praying it. To the atheists, the abortionists, the secular humanists, to the terrorists, to the demonic terrorists of hell itself, we put you on notice. There's still a holy blood-washed remnant that's praying. The church is still praying. There's still a born-again Bible-believing church that's praying, Thy kingdom come. And His kingdom is coming. You can count on that. My Bible and your Bible says that after the millennium, it will be judgment day. As time slips into eternity, Revelation 20 describes the great white throne judgment. And I saw a great white throne on the one who sat upon it from whose face the earth and the sky fled away, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before God, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the things written in the books, each according to the deeds he had done. The oceans surrendered the bodies buried in them, and the earth and the underworld gave up the dead in them. Each was judged according to his deeds. And death and hell were thrown in the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found recorded in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I want to remind you that this dramatic passage in Scripture talks about more than one book. It reveals that books will be opened on that day of days. What books will be opened? I'm convinced that the first book that will be opened on that day of days will be the book of God's law. The Ten Commandments. Thou shall not. Anyone who has not perfectly kept these Ten Commandments throughout the entirety of their life stands eternally condemned for not 
perfectly fulfilling the law of God. These Ten Commandments are not God's suggestions. They are not divine guidelines. They are His holy commandments, His expressed written will. And though they have been ripped from the walls of our classrooms in our public schools, though they have been banished from our courthouses across America, they will appear on Judgment Day. And souls that have not perfectly kept the law of God throughout the entirety of their lifetime will face eternal damnation. The second book opened up on that day will be the book of remembrance. The book of remembrance. The book of remembrance is more incredible, more amazing, more advanced than any high-speed computer, any Cray computer. In God's book of remembrance, he has recorded in his amazing database, he has recorded every thought, every motive, every word, every deed, that we have ever initiated both good and evil if the thoughts the words the deeds recorded in God's book of remembrance are not perfect as he is perfect holy as he is holy we stand eternally condemned before a holy God the last book that will be opened on Judgment Day. The final book will be the Lamb's Book of Life. The only names found in the Lamb's Book of Life will be those souls who are devoid of sin. They have no sin whatsoever in their lives. We can imagine the prosecuting attorney, Satan, standing on judgment day as the souls of those who have not perfectly fulfilled the law of God, who have not perfectly had all of their words, thoughts, and deeds recorded, in total righteousness. We can imagine, we can imagine the prosecuting attorney, Satan, the devil, standing there on that day before a holy God and pointing to where we have disobeyed. Pointing to where we have violated God's law. Reminding God what's in the book of remembrance. Deeds that we thought were hidden. Deeds that we thought were done in secret. We fooled our parents. We fooled our friends. We fooled our pastors. But we can't fool God. And the prosecuting attorney, old Slewfoot the devil, points them out to God and declares before all of heaven, Now God, if you are holy, if indeed you are utterly holy, you'll stand by your word that all have sinned 
fallen short of your glory. They have violated your commandments. They have fallen short of your righteousness and expectations. They deserve eternal damnation. And so we stand before the high court of heaven without any hope. Our good works, our good intentions, all the stuff that we thought would cause us to measure up to God means squat on that day. What hope do we have? It's better sung than preached. I've asked Lee Traxer to come and give the answer. Sing it a cappella then if our keyboardist didn't show up. Just come straight to the platform, Dale.
You know, we talk about the bad news, the bad news in current events. Well, there was some good news this week. Our United States Special Forces moved by secret of night into a prison camp of ISIS. And there our men freed 70 whose graves were already being dug for them. They were chained to the walls. And all 70 were set free and released. Glory to God. But for the first time since 2011 in Iraq, one of our men, one of the special forces men, lost his life in rescuing those whose graves were, had already been dug. I'm convinced that the church needs a fresh revelation of God's grace. There's too much greasy grace out there today. And it doesn't move us. It doesn't touch us any longer. And on that day of days when we see what grace will accomplish. Oh, I've often imagined it like this when old devil Slewfoot is pointing out our sins. I imagine a loving arm coming across my shoulders and my Lord saying to his father, Father, it's okay. He's one of mine. <laughs> She's one of mine. I paid the price for their sins. Don't worry about the fact that you've broken the Ten Commandments. You need to keep them. But 
Christ in you, you in Christ Jesus, the Bible says you have fulfilled the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. When God looks at you, He doesn't see you, your past, your faults, your failures, your sins. He sees Jesus all over you, and He says, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. That's what the blood has done for you and I. We need a fresh revelation of the cross of Calvary. But hear me. Hear me if you're within the sound of my voice or watching on video this morning. If you have not accepted what Jesus did upon the cross for you, it would be like one of those prisoners being held by ISIS, chained to the wall, and the rescuers come in, yet you don't want to be rescued. Jesus has already died upon the cross for you. Your sins have already been forgiven. You've already been set free from God's perspective. It's up to you to accept and receive by faith what the Lord has done for you. Isn't it about time? I plead with you. Isn't it about time you say yes to the amazing grace of God in Christ Jesus? He who looks beyond your faults and sees your need. Father, I ask and pray this morning as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Lord, I ask and pray in the name of Jesus. Come, sweet Holy Spirit, and wrap your arms of love round about us and call us to your grace. Call us to accept the free gift of your love, your grace, of Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed here this morning. I ask that there would be no looking around. I'm going to pray a prayer. A prayer of salvation. A prayer that will make you right with God. A prayer that will release the amazing grace of God in your life. A prayer that will make you brand new. It will give you a home in heaven and make Jesus your Savior. If you'll accept this prayer by faith, it will happen to you. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no looking around. How many, how many would like to be included in this prayer this morning that I'm about to pray? How many? Lift your hand up high so that I can see it. God bless you. God bless you. Keep lifting them up this morning. God bless you. How many more this morning? Christians are praying. God bless you. Amen. I see those hands. Four men have lifted their hands. God bless you. Yes, God bless you in the back. I see that hand. God bless you. How many more this morning? Yes, up on the balcony, I see that hand. God bless you. How many more? Jesus is calling. Will you open the door of your heart to Him? He's done all that He can do. Don't reject Jesus this morning. Lift that hand up high. Lift it up high. Now let us pray. I want everyone to repeat the prayer out loud. I'm about to pray, especially you that have lifted your hand. Would you make this prayer your prayer? Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. 
with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. I repent of my sins. I confess you as my Savior. I confess you as my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for cleansing me, for changing me. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I receive this as I believe it. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, God, God is at work right now making you brand new. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Be aware of that.